0: Well, hello, and welcome to Pastor and People. This is Isaac Adams, and I am sitting here with the right bishop, the right reverend, <laughs> the beady on your
1: wheelie. Why are you laugh when I say that? What's man? good, man? What's good? You always start something with a brother. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just introducing the folks, welcoming them up on the porch, you know yeah, what I'm saying? got the lemonade out. Well, you know how we act on the porch, man. Every, every compliment's got a sting. <laughs> uh, man, you know, it's going to be a joke somewhere. Amen. Yeah, can't, can't handle the heat My mom said, "She said, Isaac, don't come in here. Can't a, handle it." Well, I know your mom. I, your mom don't play. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we are here on the Pastor and People podcast talking about joy between pastor and people and their joy in the Lord Mm. and this co-laboring they have to that end Mm. to glorify God, to love God, to delight in God. Mm. And so much of that delight is rooted in God's holiness and in their holiness as a reflection of it. Mm. We were discussing this last time, talking Mm. about purity and holiness, this number one discipleship issue in the local church and the beauty of the gospel being displayed by the local church. Mm. And I think you said it was the clearest form we see literally with our eyes these mm-hmm. local expressions of God's bride all over the world, Amen. and yet we started at the end to talk about those under shepherds who guard that expression, mm-hmm. and we use this beautiful metaphor. and I loved it, especially as a
1: newly married man coming mm-hmm. on my first anniversary. <laughs> the anniversary, yeah, man. You made it, yeah, hey, man. The yeah. <laughs> <She's a> wonderful <laughs> woman, bro. <brother. Hey. laughs> She's got rewards
0: waiting. <laughs> <laughs> got rewards but we use this we use this metaphor of the wedding day mm-hmm. and the and the father bringing his the his daughter who's mm-hmm. dressed in white mm-hmm. robed in purity and you talked about how that's a reflection even of old testament times and the jewish father protecting his daughter mm-hmm. uh, to that day to uh, affirm that she was in fact a virgin that she was pure mm-hmm. uh, we talked about him leading her down the aisle to pass her off and we mm-hmm. talked about in a sense uh how of course christ the great shepherd is the church's groom, but then there are these under shepherds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet so many churches don't have holy pastors.
1: That's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. true. So
0: many so many churches don't have men who reflect the Lord in that way. Who could not genuinely say, Imitate me insofar as I imitate Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to talk about, uh, T, because I, I, I let's let me just ask you why why are the is the people's need a holy pastor.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, so that that notion comes from Robert Murray McShane, a Scottish pastor who died quite young, died in his 20s, but was regarded as the, the godly Mr. McShane. Mm-hmm. And um, McShane had this line, he says, my people's greatest need, well they have no greater need than my own personal holiness. And and there is some hyperbole in that. Uh of course, their greatest need is Christ. Mm-hmm who provides their holiness, provides our holiness, so all the holiness we will ever need, uh, we find in Christ, right? Having said that, though, if Christ is the chief shepherd of the church, going back to what you were laying out a moment ago, and he has chosen and appointed under-shepherds, then the under-shepherds are meant to both teach Christ and model Christ, and uh, which means they are to participate in his holiness, and they are to be models of that, uh, for the people mm. and you can just get this throughout the scriptures in, a, in the New Testament scriptures in a number of ways You get it in the Old Testament scripture as well because yeah. the priest's very function Was to represent holiness to God's people on, on God's behalf and to represent God's people to God in making offerings And, and he's he's playing that kind of symbolic mediator role which Christ fulfills um, But the New Testament gives us a number of places. I think of first Timothy 4 verse 12 Let no one despise you for your youth. So this addresses even young pastors, Mm -hmm. but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity, right? Uh, Or you go over to a place like Titus chapter two, where Paul instructs Titus there uh, in beginning in verse seven. He says, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching, show integrity, dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Mm. So really, how are the people going to know how to walk out the Christian life in holiness, in purity, um, if they don't have teachers who teach that? And teach it not just by precept, but teach it also by example, Mm. Uh, and, and it's, you know, it's been said there are many things that are better caught than taught. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole the minister's entire life is meant to be accessible to the people so the people know how they should follow Christ. I mean, Paul's, you made reference to it a moment ago, Paul's statement in First Corinthians is nonsensical. When he says, follow me as I follow Christ. If, in fact, they can't get close <laughs> enough to him to follow it. Right. You, know, you know, it doesn't right. make any sense. Right. Um, And so the people's great need is for a plurality of elders who are themselves born-again believers, who are robed by faith in the righteousness of Christ, and who are also exercising themselves to a practical holiness and a growth in sanctification. Um, Paul says also in 1 Timothy 4, you know, let the people see your progress. Um, And so... Those elders are doing that before the congregation. The congregation, likewise, can trace their lives, can follow the pattern of sound words and follow their examples uh, and thereby be growing in holiness. Without that, the sheep wander, scattered, mm-hmm. lost.
0: And I, and I want to get to more of those effects in a second. I just want to mention just something that you wrote recently that was a helpful resource insofar as allowing people to access you as their leader, mm-hmm. as their pastor. And the series was called The Practical Secret. To a faithful ministry, Mm -hmm. we wrote three blog posts, essentially arguing: use your calendar, yeah, (laughs) not not have it. So we have probably We have like three calendars in this room. We need to actually (laughs) use these things, right? And so that's a resource on the front porch. Mm -hmm. Three articles that people can grab and share. Uh, But let's go back. Let's go back then to the effects because you were starting to get into it. The sheep wander. What is the damage that an unholy pastor does?
1: Yeah, well, we see the damage in light of the blessing of a holy pastor, right? So a holy pastor is going to do several things that are just a balm to the souls of the sheep. They're going to be faithful in teaching God's word to God's people in ways that they can chew and digest and apply. And God's people are going to grow by that. But they're going to delight in God himself when a, when a holy minister handles the holy word of God. Uh, The blessing of a holy minister is God's people are going to be able to see in much starker terms right from wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's critical in our day and age where everybody seems to be erasing the lines between right and wrong. And and more than that, where people are calling darkness light Mm -hmm. and light darkness. Uh, Yeah. And so it's the minister who helps the people keep that clear and fixed in their mind, and that clarity leads to a a moral certitude, leads to moral fiber, leads to the blessing of a morally good life. Um, And so a holy pastor is is essential in that way. And, And a holy pastor is essential in, when you think about pastoral ministry, in increasing the quiet and the comfort of the sheep. You know, when people sense that the man of God is really solid, and trustworthy and and his life is to be emulated then then they they don't bleat as much Mm -hmm. and they don't bite as much Mm -hmm. and they don't run from the shepherd when he comes They, they actually get quiet in his presence and the church experiences this peace right that that's that's the overflow of the purity uh of god's people uh and so those are the kinds of blessings that you get when you have a a holy pastor in the pulpit. Now you flip that and you have an ungodly man in the pulpit. The word of God's going to be distorted. Mm -hmm. Um, The moral vision of the people is going to be blurred uh, and there's going to be disquiet and disharmony among God's people. So there's, and he lacks in a sense, the moral authority to help people with their moral problems, Mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, people aren't helped Going to a man who himself mistreats his wife Mm -hmm. when they need help in their marriage, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not going to give sound counsel. Mm -hmm. He's going to find ways to wink at the guy. He's going to find ways to side with the guy. He's going to find ways to wink at the woman. He's going to find ways to come next to the woman. You know, just his immorality will will just be a a seeping toxin, you know, in the life of the congregation, and it will affect it will affect everything in the congregation.
0: And I think it, it just echoes so clearly to that metaphor we've used several times with the family. In that, mm-hmm. if you have a good father, a good leader, mm-hmm. an holy man, frankly, mm-hmm. uh, the children are, are submissive. There is a quiet. There's a calm there mm-hmm. that you just don't have in mm-hmm. situations that are harder with an unholy man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, just, there's just not there's not quiet in the family. Frankly, mm-hmm. there's chaos.
1: There's chaos. And and I like the holy man language. You know, we we have sort of gotten to the point where a holy man is a religious leader in some pagan religion, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, I think it was Mahatma Gandhi who said, you know, when I meet with religious leaders of other faiths, uh, I I feel like I meet with holy men. Mm -hmm. When I meet with Christian leaders, I meet with CEOs and Mm -hmm. entertainers and things of that sort. Mm -hmm. Oh man, he put his hand on something there, didn't Mm -hmm. he? Um, we, We would rather, I think, I hope it's the case that God's people would rather that their leaders be holy men and not entertainers, not famous men, not CEO-style leaders or visionaries and motivational speakers and all those other things that now are on many pastors' resumes. Um, we want our people to be able to say, my pastor is holy. Mm-hmm. That's the best commendation that they can give us. And we want that to be true. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to <laughs> be thought of as being holy. Right. We actually want to pursue holiness because right. without holiness, no man will see God. Mm-hmm. you know uh, that's the charge in Hebrews so we need to be pursuing this thing that we might see we might see God we might see him in his beauty and his glory and see him on that day when he reveals uh, himself face to face
0: and I think it's in J.C. Riles, mm-hmm.
1: great book tome on, yeah, tome book. on,
0: tome on holiness mm-hmm. uh, where he says so many desire the appearance of holiness mm-hmm. but not actual holiness mm-hmm. so as a pastor is thinking about pursuing holiness and I mean As you pointed to the pastoral epistles, this is what we see essentially Mm. in the elder qualifications, Mm -hmm. maybe except for the ability to teach.
1: Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, this guy needs to be a one-woman
0: man. That's just kind of basic. right? Uh,
1: Above reproach. Good reputation on outsiders. You know, all these are echoes of holiness, right? Self-control, all those kinds of things. Exactly.
0: How then do I go about pursuing that as a pastor?
1: Great question. So not the
0: appearance, and and let's say even that's my proclivity. I'm mm-hmm. I'm prone to want to look holy, mm-hmm. but actually having mm-hmm. it in my life, yeah. in my soul,
1: echoing right now. And, and I would say progressing in it rather than having it, right? Yeah. Because we're going to be striving toward holiness until we see Christ, right? So how do, how are we progressing in holiness? First of all, you know. This is going to sound real brown paper bag, real basic stuff. But I'm the older I get, the more convinced I am. You never leave the basics. Uh, and so first of all, you've got to have a living devotional life with Christ. You know, There's no way for you to make progress in holiness if you don't commune with Christ. Um, he's not going to bear the fruit in your life that you, we would want to see in our lives if we're not reading the Bible for our own personal edification and growth, not just for our professional preaching and teaching. Reading the Bible, journaling through the Scriptures, uh, keeping an active prayer life, coming to the Lord's Supper—not as an official act that you have to administer as the pastor, but coming to the supper and the sacraments uh, as a sheep in need of grace. Uh, so we got to take—we got to take part in the ordinary means of grace. Um, secondly, if we're going to make progress in in holiness we got to have people who stir us on, mm-hmm. right? And this is why Hebrews 10 makes the argument that we should not forsake the assembly. Uh, we gather with God's people so that they can do things like stir us on to love and good deeds, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can do things that help us practically uh, with our pursuit of holiness. Um, pray for it would be a third thing. You know, ask the Lord mm-hmm. to, to grow you in holiness, mm-hmm. to to show you uh, places where you need to be repentant of sin that you haven't seen to give you power by his spirit to break the pool of sin that you do see. Um, and, um, to, to give you a, a desire to give us a desire, um, uh, for this beauty, for this splendor, for this participation, uh, in his glory. Um, and then as a pastor, man, we, we have to sit under God's word too. Not not, even, not only taking in personally, but, man, we've got to make room in our pulpits for other gifted men to preach so we can sit under the word with our people. Uh, if you have the privileges I do of speaking at conferences, uh, whether they're local or national, whatever they are, uh, I hope you take in the entire conference. Don't just go there and do your speaking part, then jet out. But, man, take that day or that two days and sit under the preaching of other men. Um, those, little, those little mini retreats is what those conferences become for me. Uh, they feed my soul, they spur me on, they stir me up, they remind me of things that um, maybe I've forgotten and need to be reminded of. Uh, so take full advantage of and if it's not conferences, brother podcasts are everywhere, Batman. you know uh, take advantage of the teaching resources that are out there and sit under the Word of God and walk with the people of God uh, in holiness.
0: See, when you go back to the basics, it just echoed in my mind. In Romans twelve, God is talking about presenting yourself as a living sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. As a as a a pure Mm -hmm. sacrifice. Mm -hmm. This is our spiritual worship. But He says, you know, uh, He says, "For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he
1: ought to think."
0: And so much of what you said just sounds rooted in. A humble understanding of yourself as a fallen person, as a fallen man, who Satan would love to bring down, mm-hmm. saying, "I need, yeah, I need to put communion with God personally in prayer and in the Word, mm-hmm. not as just something I administer, but mm-hmm. something that I need
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: for this daily walk that I'm trying to live out and model, mm-hmm. therefore, to my people."
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's a scary thing, Isaac, um, and I trust that you know pastors who are listening, who've been pastors for a little while, will 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 recognize this. And I hope it would be helpful to their people to to understand this. But it's quite possible to be a pastor and to get into a good routine and rhythm of things and to be performing quite well publicly in your ministry and people appreciating and benefited by it. But all the while, you're being hollowed out. Mm all the while you you're in that you're in that groove you're in that routine, and you've got a good stride man you, you you're running that quarter mile and mm-hmm. and, and you, things are starting to feel automatic, mm-hmm. but at the same time your your own spiritual resources are dwindling mm-hmm. you know you're not replenishing yourself you're not keeping a, a close watch on your life mm-hmm. and your doctrine and and the borders are beginning to fray mm-hmm. and um some things some small foxes are getting into the hen house. And and this is how I think it's possible for men who really have had powerful ministries uh, to look up one day uh, and their lives be shipwrecked mm. and their ministries be shipwrecked. Mm. And it's a terrifying thing. It's a terrifying thing to think that you could be in the middle of God's people in a church of whatever size, mm. performing well, and all the while, um, <laughs> yeah, Becoming bankrupt spiritually. Mm. And nobody knows. Mm. And nobody see it unless you have some people deeply involved in your life, right. challenging and inspecting and encouraging. Right. That's entirely possible. And and the more a church idolizes this pastor, the easier it is for him to fall to that danger. Right. Uh, so this is something that we we can't take a passive approach to. We have to actually be active in for the benefit of our own souls. Mm-hmm. Uh, we gotta lean into the pursuit of holiness Mm
0: -hmm. as you were talking about and it sounds like you're talking about fatigue one thing i also think that clearly happens is just passionless ministry Mm -hmm. where this is no longer good news for the Mm -hmm. pastor and i heard uh martin lloyd jones i think it was his daughter talking about why he was so effective Mm -hmm. and she said someone asked why is why was your father so effective and he and she said he never recovered from the fact that god saved him Mm -hmm. You know. And I think that's in line you know. with what you're talking and, about.
1: And just think about how he organized his, his week as a pastor. Mm. Every morning, the entire morning, was blocked out for study. Mm. He was not to be disturbed. He spent that first five hours of the day in prayer, in the Word, um, in preparation um, for his public ministry. And then he'd come out in the afternoons. Uh, and engage with people and things of that sort. He prioritized mm-hmm. uh, his spiritual life in that mm-hmm. way. And, you know, th- the thing I'm describing, I think the early warning sign is fatigue, right? And that's the easier problem to correct unless it's chronic. But if you go on in that fatigue and in that passionless ministry that you talked about, uh, then you get begin to see what Paul talks about in Timothy. Some sins are obvious and some trail behind. Mm. That's how that guy tired, passionless, not communing with Christ, begins now to dabble in things. Mm. And then the dabbling becomes habits. And then the habits become disqualifying. Mm. And then some years later, those sins trail behind and become known. We got to be watchful for that, brother. We Mm. really do. Mm.
0: Mm. Well, see, I want to stop there, just be given how sobering that word is. Mm. And then in the next couple of episodes, we will revisit it as the theme comes across in this purity and holiness Mm. Uh, Discussion, but we will pause there for now. Praying, I think, too, that the Lord might keep, uh, preserve us, because uh, we are above nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, all of us could be David in some sense, right? Mm -hmm. A man after God's own heart. Mm -hmm. When he does not go out to battle and he sees Bathsheba,
1: there you go. There you go.
0: So I I think one of my seminary professors put it like this: between the difference between David and Joseph, one of them ran to sin, and one of them ran away. Mm, It's good. Uh, May God give us grace to be those who run away. To run away, leave your coat. Amen. Amen. Amen.